Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You're listening to Mind Over Money, a brand new financial well-being podcast. I'll be your host, Gemma Sherlock. You may know me from the mental health podcast, No Really, I'm Fine. Well, I'm back, but for something slightly different. We've teamed up with our friends at NatWest to explore how our finances can have a huge impact on our mental health. Money may seem like the number one concern, but our minds should be a priority. Remember, mind over money. In this episode, I speak to Rachel Blackamore, the Managing Director of Personal Banking for London and the South East at NatWest. We discuss the steps people need to take to address their finances, especially when recovering after a financial crisis. You'll hear about what a financial crisis is, what can bring a person to experience a financial crisis, and what support is out there. Hi, Rachel. Hi there. Hi, Gemma. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you today because I think money and and finances can often be not necessarily a controversial topic, but maybe a topic that needs to be talked about more. And I don't know. I mean, I can only speak from personal experiences, but there's been times where family members of mine have struggled with money and, and been ashamed, almost embarrassed to talk about that. Have you found that those experiences when you're dealing with with customers, Rachel? Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I think for some reason, everyone expects everyone else is brilliant at managing money. And actually, for many people, some basic financial skills are, are not things that are taught and not things that are, are talked about either. Um, and as a result, it impacts many different parts of people's lives. And if you're not in a good financial situation, or even if you're not feeling in control of your finances and know what you've got going out and coming in and, and how you might do some basic budgeting, then it definitely impacts people's well-being and people often lose sleep at night, strain on relationships. So yeah, it's a really important point and one that we do need to talk about more freely. It's interesting when you say that we're not taught those sort of things, but we're not, are we? I mean, I don't know what the situation is like in schools at the moment and during what's been a stressful time, as we know, with the coronavirus pandemic. But I mean, when I was in school, I wasn't taught anything about mortgages or how to pay a bill or pensions. And I think there needs to be a real change there to sort of alleviate that stress, maybe. Absolutely agree. I mean, it's a while since I was in school. Um, and there are certainly no lessons there, but even, you know, families and um, friends of mine with children at school age, I don't think this gets the profile it needs on the curriculum. At NatWest, we do do a lot of support activities through Money Sense, trying to build financial capability in young people. But until it's a, a key part of school curricula, then it probably isn't going to get the focus it needs nationally. And probably for most people, we tend to learn more about how to manage money from our parents or as we're growing up and uh, either develop savings habits or don't. And that has huge ramifications for people's um, future lives and, and the potential they're able to live in the future. 
with or without that basic knowledge. Why do you think it's not talked about in schools? Um, well, I would never set myself up as an expert on school <laughs> curricula. I really am not close to the, the details of what is and what isn't taught in schools. But I think probably this is a very personal opinion, actually. I think there's probably too much um, stress on exams and retention of knowledge, whereas actually for me and certainly for my schooling, there's as much around basic skills for the future and interpersonal skills and social skills that I think are as equally as important as academic achievements. And again, not setting myself up as an expert, I do worry slightly that the balance has tipped much more towards academic achievements means that somehow we ignore some of those other things which are absolutely fundamental to people's future lives. Sorry, that was off on a tangent about schools there. We're not just here to talk about the schools, so uh, don't worry, (laughs) listeners. What we're mainly focusing on today is financial crisis, which in itself is is a scary statement. You know, whenever you put crisis into a sentence, you do always get that sense of dread and, oh, you know, something must be seriously wrong here. From your point of view, Rachel, what would you say is a financial crisis? Because Ultimately, it's not just about losing money, is it, or being at absolute rock bottom? Yeah, I mean, I suppose we see customers in in our NatWest branches and over the phones and by video these days as well, who are really struggling with basic financial needs. And actually, when they feel comfortable in a situation to open up, there's some data that shows that about four in 10 adults feel that they're not in control of their finances, about 12 million adults are not saving enough for retirement. 41% don't know their current account balance. And all of that was before the, the pandemic that hopefully we're, we're coming uh, through to a brighter future out of the real challenges of 2020. But it has definitely made things worse over the, over the last 12 months, really, I suppose, since we started talking about COVID. And actually, it's a disproportionate impact on those people on lower incomes or the self-employed um, who perhaps don't have regular incomes and indeed are finding costs rising and their income stagnating. So that's how I would describe as we enter 2021, the crisis that many people are facing. When you said people are struggling to sort of take control of their finances, what might that involve? Well, I was I was thinking about this um, in advance, actually. And I was also reflecting as well on not only my own profession, but also how I was taught as a child. And I think a few tips that I would share. So I think firstly, budgeting. I know it's hard for people to sometimes face up to the reality, but knowing what have I got coming in and what have I got going out? And there are some things that are going out that you have to spend. You know, it's not discretionary. You probably need to pay some mortgage or rent and some bills. And being really clear on those things then allows you to understand what is left on things that perhaps you've got more control over, such as entertainment or eating out or transport, health and beauty, those sorts of things. So my first biggest ask for anyone who's in a a crisis situation is just sit and either write down, you know, what you've got coming in or coming out, or indeed there's a number of apps available where people can do budgeting. And indeed for any NatWest customers, our mobile app itself allows you to understand and tag different types of spend so that you can see where your money is going. For me, that would be step one. And we touched on this briefly before, but money problems in itself has always sort of existed, unfortunately, for people. And 
lockdown has obviously massively impacted that situation for many, even even people who have never found themselves before in a sort of crisis, if you like, perhaps their um, loved ones have been furloughed or things like that. How has lockdown affected people? What what have you been seeing? So I suppose at the, the very beginning, which came as a shock in March 2020, there was a lot of concern, understandably so. So at NatWest, we have over 19 million customers, but we saw a huge increase for mortgage holidays. I think we had about 250,000 customers approach us for that. And some of those have, have carried on or indeed reviewed their outgoings and mortgage and you know moved to different deals in order to reduce that. We've also seen customers who haven't been able to get out to our branches to withdraw cash from ATMs or indeed the branch itself. So things like cash delivery service for those that need it, particularly the more elderly and vulnerable customers. And companion cards as well have been particularly helpful for people in that situation who want to trust someone, but only up to a certain limit on a card, a limit of £100, enabling someone else, a trusted neighbour or family member to do their shopping for them. So I think they're the sorts of things that we've seen through the network. Yeah, so I think it's the strain it puts both on the actual income and also on the uncertainty of future income, which I think has led customers to need to rethink their finances. And those that are perhaps most organised were the swiftest to approach us or indeed other mortgage providers about mortgage holidays or overdrafts and reviewing what we could do there. Seeking help via, we offer a free financial health check, which just takes people through where they are now, what matters most to them and what actions are most appropriate for them to take if they think that they're the ones to to go forward. I think we've also seen an increase in the criminal population taking advantage of customers who are particularly vulnerable and whose, whose income is uncertain. And so therefore we've invested a lot of time as well in making sure people are keeping themselves safe online, using the mobile app, for example, to keep close to the detail of your finances, because that can really make a difference to knowing where you are, what money you've got, and also if there is anything suspicious, being clear on that. And I think the other thing we've also seen is people switching more, not fully, but more to contactless payments to avoid carrying cash around or indeed withdrawing cash when it's been more challenging to get to the branch. A bit more about the financial health checks as as well. Anyone can book in for those, but equally, there's some lessons there, I think, that would be helpful to anyone. So, for example, getting into real detail on what's going out of your account through standing orders and direct debits. Are they all still necessary? Are you getting value for money? Could you get cheaper deals if you considered switching? And often at the start of a new year, it's often a time when we'd encourage people to look at this anyway. But, you know, if you've got gym memberships, Are you still using them? If you've got mobile phone deals, when are they due to expire? Could you get a better deal somewhere else? The same goes with things like mobile phone insurance or car breakdown cover. Just really making sure that people are getting the best deal possible for the things they really need. You mentioned um, when people are furloughed and things like that because of the pandemic and how that's sort of changed, obviously, people's financial situation. I mean, I don't know about about you personally, Rachel, but my partner, who is an accountant, (laughs) um, topically, he was furloughed. And the stress it puts you under in terms of 
even though he was still getting paid, it's still a massive worry to know, especially we've got a mortgage, so everyone's different and some people might rent or things like that. Some people might not even have a home. So there's loads of different aspects of a financial crisis. But for me, it's more that uncertainty I found that could really elevate the stress levels, especially when you you are worrying about whether you're still able to pay the bills. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I've got a number of friends, particularly self-employed, and the uncertainty that they already have in the type of work they do, but has really heightened during 2020. So I think it's trying to take control of the little things, the things that you have got control over. You, you probably, if you're furloughed or in an industry that have little ability to influence what your income will be in the future or when you'll work again. So I think it's therefore those actions that you can take that give you the most control you have over the, the things that are, are going out of your accounts. Perhaps another example would be credit cards, which at various times can be very useful tools to help you to manage your money and indeed to defer payment of something if you're going to pay it off next month. But equally for, for many people, the credit card has become an easy way of accessing credit. And if, if that's something that you know you're not going to be able to afford, then turning the card off, again, through the, the NatWest mobile app, you could turn the credit card off and it will stop you from making payments. Oh, really? Yeah. And also, again, credit cards, you can get cash on credit cards, but you pay interest from the day that you withdraw cash. And, you know, you can also turn off using your credit card at a cash machine. So I suppose it's reducing the things that you might know are tempting for you by thinking ahead to make sure you really, at all times, are staying in control of what you can control. Not that this is necessarily related to the pandemic, but there's a number of customers we've found, and it's been increasing year on year, who have addictions to gambling sites. And again, turning off being able to use your credit card on a gambling site is another change that was introduced during 2020 for our customers to avoid people being put in that situation where they're tempted to just pay some more on that online gambling site. And I suppose when people are just sat at home during lockdown, they've got nothing else to do. So if you're someone who perhaps has gambling addiction or has experienced that it can be really tempting like you say can't it's just absolutely quickly go on online and And I'm sure I'm not alone but I do feel as though I've been receiving more and more emails from companies who are understandably desperate to sell their goods and they've got more and more sales on and you know even I now just delete any of those emails when they arrive because unless I need something I know from my personal experience I am tempted to browse and go oh yeah that's nice and actually do I need it? Probably not. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I try and avoid that. I'm not always successful, but um, I yeah. do try and try my best with that. What if people find themselves in a situation then, you, you mentioned before where some of your friends are self-employed and this can affect anyone, but what if they find themselves in a situation where they just, they can't afford to pay any bills and that's the crisis they're in? So seek help would be my first thing. So whether it's from your bank, talking to your bank and seeing what they can do for you, or indeed the company, if it's a utility bill, or find out what you're entitled to. And if you get to that situation where this is just mounting up, then the Citizens Advice Bureau, who we partner with actually, and often refer customers to, are incredibly helpful at enabling people to go through their worst case scenario situation and make arrangements with the creditors who are seeking Um, some form of repayment, even if it is a small amount over many years. So that would be my biggest piece of advice. Please don't sit and dwell alone. Do seek out that help. And citizens' advice is where we would encourage people to go firstly. For myself personally, Rachel, I sometimes struggle to 
speak to people on the phone in terms of not obviously now we're having a nice conversation now but I mean to give you an example my cars broke down right before Christmas which is not what you need and I had to get my partner to phone garages for me because there's sometimes that level of anxiety that stops me from doing things so I imagine someone who perhaps has severe anxiety like myself and is in a financial crisis they might not want to talk to anyone on the phone so what what can they do in that situation? Yeah so I mean Citizens Advice for years have provided brilliant face-to-face service I think at the moment that that is very difficult for them to do. There might be some places across the UK where that is happening, but as far as I'm aware, much of their service is online. I haven't checked this recently, but I'd imagine that there would be ways you could correspond via email if that was better to seek help. Or indeed, video and Zoom is probably something that more people have adapted to in 2020 than they might ever have expected. And whilst I absolutely understand anxiety that might come with even that that might be worse for some people than over the phone there is something a little bit more human about it because at least you can see someone's face and body language and reactions and I think for certainly our customers at NatWest more and more are opting for that semi-human interaction over over Zoom rather than the phone but whichever way it is and whatever channel best suits an individual I definitely think it's the right thing to do to to reach out and, and ask for help. Definitely. And sometimes, though, a lot of people think banks are big and scary and, oh, they're going to take money off me. And as someone in your position, you know, how does it perhaps feel to sort of change that stereotype almost by actually helping those who are struggling? Yeah, we're working really hard on this, actually, because it is a reality for many people. And the thought of going to the bank and having spoken to customers who have been brave enough to share what that felt like. And particularly if they're in a situation that they've got lots of different debts, just be really clear, we will do everything we possibly can to help you in complete confidence. And if it makes it easier for you in the comfort of your own home to to meet via video when you've got your own home comforts around. And we do understand how daunting it can be. And we will do everything we possibly can to support people. And also we might give recommendations and we might, you know, identify opportunities, but it will always be the customer's choice to proceed with whatever it might be. I mean, there's been some examples, particularly over this year, where lots of debts can easily mount up on, you know, a number of credit cards, maybe a mortgage that rolls off and moves on to standard variable rates, where actually we've been able to save customers hundreds of pounds a month just as a result of sitting down with them and going through everything. So that would be my other advice, really, that if you are going to take that step, which I'd encourage you to do, to get advice and talk to someone, don't keep anything back and do put everything on the table and please be reassured. We're all human at the end of the day and financial well-being and financial worries are as close to, well, everyone in the UK. I think everyone understands whether you work in a bank or you work in any other place or even you don't have work at the moment. We're there to help and we will do everything we possibly can to support people through the challenges they're currently facing. And you mentioned before standard variables on a mortgage. I have a mortgage and I don't know what that means. Could you just briefly explain what that does mean? Because I know sometimes the people when they get perhaps letters or messages about changes in the way they've got something, sometimes those terms can really exacerbate perhaps a, a mental illness or, or worry them. So what, what does that mean? Yeah, and actually there's another there any terms that anyone ever uses just call them out and just say please can you explain that because actually we do fall into the habit in in the bank and I've just done it I've just uh, <laughs> role modeled for you that we were talking about standard variable rates or sometimes known as SVRs 
So generally, when most people take out a mortgage, often for the first time, they will look at all the deals available and decide whether they want to have a fixed rate or an interest rate that will not change for a particular duration of time. Might be two years, might be five years, because it gives them certainty of how much do I need to set aside every month for the next two years in order to pay my mortgage. Depending on the economic environments, the individual circumstances, they might choose to take out a variable rate, which means if interest rates, if the Bank of England base rate moves, then your payments would go up or down. With the Bank of England base rate at the moment being so low, and even talk about it going uh, negative, it's a really good time to review to make sure you're on the best mortgage deal. And if you have been on a fixed rate, let's just say it's two years, stick with that example, what happens when that two-year rate finishes is the bank or building society will write to you to tell you that the rate is finishing. And if people don't take any action at that stage, which is understandable, people live busy lives, then automatically you move to a standard variable rate. And across most of the banks and building societies at the moment, if that had happened to me, I would probably now be paying about 3.5%, if not 4% interest every month. Whereas actually, if I was to shop around and look at some of the best deals on the high street, then actually I could be paying rates as low as numbers beginning with a one and, and fixing that rate and giving me certainty to plan ahead. So that's where when I referred earlier to some of the monthly savings we've been able to, to do for customers, that's where it could be as simple as just looking at your mortgage and thinking through, okay, I'm on this standard variable rate, I'm paying interest of three or 4% every month, I've got these credit card debts, I've got an overdraft, whatever it might be, and consolidating all of that together can often lead to significant savings per month and or a reduction in the term of the loan. So Again, many people, when they take out their first mortgage, might take it out for 25 years. They might have had a two-year fixed deal, so they've got 23 years left. But actually, if they were able to review all of that, they could reduce the term, particularly with interest rates being so low at the moment, or indeed give themselves more money every month, which could be particularly important depending on people's circumstances right now. And how do you feel, Rachel, personally, that you've been involved in in helping people, you know, with their finances in such a historic and, and stressful time, really? Well, firstly, I feel incredibly proud of our teams who have kept over 95% of our branches open during the pandemic. So that means we're, we're there to help those customers that do need that face-to-face help, reassurance, or even redirection of how we can help them and how we can arrange someone to call them or to go through details with them. But actually, our senior personal bankers, as we call them at NatWest, have spent time with hundreds of thousands of, of customers this year and have had some remarkable connections and conversations in, in different areas. Actually, I'll stick firstly with helping them to save money by taking them through these free financial health checks. You know, I, I remember seeing one colleague shared with me where they'd saved a customer over £800 a month as a result of consolidating a number of debts and putting their mortgage onto a fixed rate. So that is one particular area. I think the other area that I probably have seen more emotional stories around are around customers who are isolated and vulnerable and who haven't had the human interaction that everyone needs. And we've been making lots of calls to those customers that we know used to visit our branches, but perhaps in 2020 have been doing exactly what's been asked of them and and staying at home. And had we just become a friendly ear for them? And in fact, there's some particular examples I've seen where a member of staff in a particular branch has ended up doing the weekly shop 
for a customer that they're just concerned about who's alone, has no family nearby to them. So there's all sorts of incredible stories. And yeah, I think that this year has been more important than ever. Yeah, there's definitely that sense of community spirit, isn't there, this year, even though it's a tragic and, and stressful time for many. But yeah, definitely. The other thing I wanted to touch upon is, aside from lockdown, why does a financial crisis happen or why do people find themselves getting into financial problems? Um, well, there's so many answers to that. I, um, <laughs> I think the one I'll start with, because it's the one that um, I think impacts the majority of people is the lack of savings. And we also know how hard it is. But across the UK, some data earlier this year showed that 20% of adults have less than £100 in savings. And there will always be those emergencies, those crises, those car breakdown as, yeah, as you've had. Yeah. And actually, a little buffer can go a long way, both in terms of surviving the crisis of the washing machine breaking or whatever it might be, but also in giving some peace of mind, going back to the well-being aspects that come with keeping in control of your finances and just developing a savings habit, even as, as little as just £5 a month or £10 a month, whatever you can afford, and just putting that to one side, perhaps a little, like I'm told that you know my grandparents perhaps used to do when people were paid in cash and they'd put it in various different jam jars for different things. Of just knowing that they'd got enough to pay that bill when it arrived is an incredibly important habit. And I, I think generally that starts often in the young with money boxes. But right now, anything we can do to encourage everyone to get into that savings habit. And we launched um, earlier this year, actually, the digital regular saver. So it's all about building the habit. So you can only save up to £50 a month, but a really uh, great interest rate on that. And the account is particularly aimed at people building up a fund of less than £1,000. So it's that emergency funds that people might need to draw on and frankly are likely to need to draw on for those sudden situations that come out of nowhere. I know that credit unions actually have been working on this for years, <laughs> in fact, encouraging people to just get into that habit of paying in a little so that if you then needed loan from the credit union, that was available too. So there's a whole range of providers and solutions out there, but anything that enables you to get used to taking some money, if you are lucky enough to be receiving a regular income and putting it to one side, I'd really encourage people to do as well. What if people simply can't save though? So there will be situations like that. And in fact, I was talking to a customer, I think it was two weeks ago now, he was in that situation. But I think there's, there's a difference between customers who just cannot save, you know, their outgoings are just more than their income allows. And that is incredibly difficult. And I'll come back to that in a second. I think there's also people though, and I can think of my own nephews who say, well, I can't save money because I just know I'll just get it out again. And I think that becomes more of the human conditions of how do we perhaps even put it in a different bank? So it's not able to be easily accessed on a on an app where you can transfer it from one account back to your current account. So again, it's just thinking through what's going to work best for you. I mean, I think for, for people going back to that first point who literally cannot save, I feel I feel it's an incredibly challenging situation and thankfully one that I've not personally experienced. But again, talking to people who have, Jack Munro springs to mind. I don't know if you've ever read any of her. It rings a bell. Yeah. Jack was, must be about 10 or 15 years ago now, but had got, it was a single mother with a new baby that knew she needed to provide nutritious food, but it just seemed impossible. And so if you just search Jack Munro on any internet site, she's done all sorts of recipes that are costed out 
that just show how creative she was in terms of stretching the limited income she had as far as it would possibly go um, in a very challenging time in her life. As a result, she then wrote a book about it and her financial situation has changed, but she's still as passionate as she ever was about how to support people who are in those really difficult situations. And again, I think if that was the case, I would be coming back again to Citizens' Advice to make sure people are claiming all the benefits they're entitled to and the support that hopefully is there for the majority of people in that situation. Personally, Rachel, how would you say lockdown and, and the pandemic has affected you? It has affected me perhaps more than I expected, if I'm if I'm honest with you. So um, firstly, I enjoy being with people. I enjoy being out in our branches, talking to customers and talking to colleagues. And so suddenly when the first lockdown happened and I was lucky enough to be able to work from home, in a sense, that, that was absolutely lucky enough. I, I didn't have to put myself at risk in that sense. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> this is not my way of working. And so, again, sticking with well-being, I've, I've now identified the strategies that help me to deal with working from home, which definitely include getting out first thing in the morning for fresh air, whether that's a run or a walk, getting out at lunchtime, making sure I schedule into my calendar a lunch break so that I'm not glued to a screen all day, making time to catch up. I mean, depending on different stages of lockdown, that hasn't always been physically catch up, but catch up over the phone, connect with people, friends. And probably the biggest learning for me, which took me a few months to get to, is give myself a deadline of when I'm going to log off the computer. I live in a a relatively small flat and I was working in the kitchen and then suddenly trying to log off and get my evening meal ready and it just wasn't working. So I now work in a bedroom, but I do log off. And I then commute home from work. I walk around the block and get in knowing that work is behind me and the evening is ahead of me. That's such a good idea. Yeah, it does feel quite strange, but I am starting to recognise there are other people who are doing the same where I live. I feel as though we ought to all have a little badge and say, this is our well-being walk. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> No, definitely. It's a really good idea. It's sort of just, especially if you're working in your bedroom, you know, you need that sort of space to sort of come back to and not have to think about work. So it's good to break that up with a walk, really. Yeah. I just wanted to go back to a couple of things. I've found personally, I'm not in too much financial trouble where it can be deemed as a crisis, but I have taken advantage of mortgage holidays and I'm sure many people have. But sometimes when you get help and that help is welcomed at the time, it can then be a stress on perhaps the future in terms of, well, if I've took this holiday, is debt going to rack up or how is that going to affect me going further? Because, you know, I'm going to have to pay that interest back or I'm going to have to pay that money back. Have you experienced that with customers? And do you think it's a valid point? You know, does there need to be more clarity on exactly how, if I take this holiday payment, this is going to affect me X, Y, and Z? Yes, I have come across uh, customers who have had those concerns and they're very understandable, by the way. And I therefore think it's very important that people stay close to it and get all the details they need before making decisions. And I think if, if we look back to March and April time, when people, it's a bit of a safeguard, really. I think a number of people applied for those holidays that perhaps with hindsight, they think, mm, I'm not sure I needed that, actually. Not that much changed, but it was the right thing to do at the time to give some peace of mind in such an uncertain situation. So I think it takes me back to keep reviewing. And if you are in that situation where, for example, the money you saved as a result of that mortgage holiday is in savings, 
you might want to consider, do you make a lump sum reduction or overpay a mortgage to get back to where you were? Again, that might not be possible for everyone, but it's just continuing to review, do I still need this? And again, we're always happy to sit down and go through people's financial situations with them to help them to understand the finer detail and the situation they're in. And obviously these situations can happen anytime, can't they? It's just yeah. with lockdown, it's sort of perhaps increased them. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, these situations have been going on for years, but perhaps going back to the very beginning of our conversation have perhaps been hidden and not talked about when in fact, you know, this is quite common in the financial services industry to to review things with individuals to make sure they're either making the most of the money or managing their situation in the best possible way. Going back to that, do you think this is almost a, a taboo and a level of embarrassment for people to say, I am struggling with money? Because, you know, a lot of people now, thankfully, are opening up about their mental health and, you know, they feel comfortable saying, I am struggling, I'm not okay today. Do you think there needs to be more done to perhaps say, I am struggling with money? Or to perhaps say no to a friend and not feel like you're letting them down because you can't afford something? Do you still think there needs to be conversations around that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I really do. And I, I do think one of the things we're trying to do as a bank is to, to build the financial capability knowledge, but also to start talking more about money and the financial situations and the dilemmas that we face. And I'm going to check the name for you, but I think it was Alex Holder I heard speak earlier in, in the year who'd written a book about, um, I think it's called Open Up About Money or something like that, mm. um, who was incredibly helpful and you know, it's a book that hopefully people can borrow from a library or find online, which was exactly that point. And she had decided consciously to start talking with friends when invited out to a very expensive birthday party or a hen weekend that was going to cost, you know, hundreds of pounds. Just, I'm really sorry, I cannot afford it. And I think that probably sounds to most people a bit of an uncomfortable conversation. But she actually found as she had the conversations, they were actually much easier than she anticipated. So I think it's worth testing the water for all of us to think about how can we start talking about money in the same way I, I hope that we're making some progress in talking about mental health as well. And I mean, it is uncomfortable and you sometimes don't have a chance to stop and think, well, why is it uncomfortable? But I suppose when, when you're experiencing some form of mental illness, it's more the fact that the build up to that conversation is more uncomfortable than perhaps the conversation itself. Absolutely. Especially with Christmas presents and, and, and wanting to still have a social life and, and still pay bills. I mean, I don't know if you've ever experienced those uncomfortable conversations, Rachel, in, in, in your life. So I don't think I have, probably because I'm also quite stingy. <laughs> um, so maybe I've taken that budgeting advice to its furthest extreme and I, I'm really, yeah, I'm, I'm just really careful with money. Um, and that is, I think, ingrained in me from childhood. So, you know, if there's anywhere that I can get stamps on a card to get a free coffee, I'm first there. Um, <laughs> some of my friends actually laugh now at the behaviours that haven't changed, even though over the years, my income has changed more than I might have expected. So I think, if anything, people would be challenging me to say, surely you can do this. So even this year with my family, we've decided that we are going to limit the amount on Christmas presents. And then each of us, according to our means, make a donation to charity because there are so many people this year who need help for all sorts of different situations they find themselves in. So I think probably because of my upbringing, that isn't something that has been as difficult for me as, as I know it has for many friends. 
So we've talked about how a financial crisis happens and perhaps why it happens, but what can people do to sort of plan to make their situations better for themselves? How can sort of people get out of out of those tricky and uncomfortable times? I think the savings bit does help, but I do appreciate there will be situations where that's just not realistic for people. I think getting advice, whether that's from your own bank or building society or experts like um, Citizens Advice. I think it's those tips I went went through right at the very beginning, you know, being really clear about the goals you have and therefore what you can afford to do right now. And that might mean some sacrifices. It might mean takeaways or entertainment, TV packages that perhaps are a bit more pricey or a new phone. Maybe those things become less important to allow people to reestablish their financial footing and plan ahead and look forward to those short term and long term goals. I I probably haven't said actually, but it is proven that anyone who sets a goal, however small that goal might be, tends to make more effort to work towards it because of the mere fact they've set a goal. I think that would probably be the main tip there, I think. And and finally, even though we've given lots of tips, what Briefly, what advice would you give to someone who is just struggling to even talk about money right now? Um, I think just being able to find one person that you trust that you just know will listen to you without judgment could be the first step. And again, I recognize for some people in different situations, that might not sound realistic. So even if it is a stranger, I don't mean a stranger in the street, by the way. I just mean, <laughs> even, even if it's even if it is someone that you have no relationship with, like the bank as a start, or or again, if that is just too intimidating, then you know, citizens' advice or um, other debt advice agencies, that would be where I would encourage people to start. Because if you don't talk about it, it's not going to get any better. And I've just remembered, um, Rachel, I also wanted to pick up on, there's going to be some listeners who perhaps don't bank with NatWest. Do all these tips still apply to people who are perhaps with different banks? Yeah, so different banks all offer slightly different propositions, but the, the core things I'm talking about, I'm confident that every financial institution in the UK would be keen and willing and able to help regardless of whether customers bank with NatWest or, or anywhere else. Right. Well, I think that covers everything. I've really enjoyed it, actually. I got carried away, I think, at times. In podcast world, that's good. <laughs> OK, then. Good to talk to you. You take care. Speak soon. Thank you for listening to Mind Over Money. If you would like more information on ways you can help your financial well-being, then reach out to your bank. If you are struggling financially, then your bank should be your first point of call. They are there to help. You can also reach out to mental health charities such as Rethink Mental Illness via their website at rethink.org. Citizens Advice also offer free advice to help you find a way forward whatever the problem. Visit their website via www.citizensadvice.org.uk or call 0800 1448848. Thank you for listening to Minds Over Money. If you would like more information on ways you can help your financial well-being, then reach out to your bank. If you are struggling financially, then your bank should be your first point of call. They are there to help. You can also reach out to mental health charities such as Rethink Mental Illness via their website at rethink.org. Citizens Advice also offer free advice to help you find a way forward, whatever the problem. Visit their website via citizensadvice.org.
www.thepeopleshop.co.uk or call 0800 144 8848. That's 0800 144 8848.